God has done in our church and what he's been doing, uh, I just have to stop and just say, thank you, Lord. Amen? It's just one of those things. Lord, thank you for what you've done, not in the church, but also in the lives of its people. And uh, just some, uh, you know, little things that that you don't always think about, little things that you don't um, always... um, uh, talk about maybe, but those little things is those things that I just um, just love what the Lord is doing and how he moves and how he has his way and how he just works in those ways and that even though we may not always understand everything that goes on, you know, I can look back over some times that we've had in this church and think, well, God, the only way that this is going, you know, that we're going to be able to survive or whatever is through you. And, you know, I think of the times that he has pulled us out time and time again and how he's moved in our ways uh, time and time again. Let me try this. Okay, here it is. I got 10% battery life. We got to make it work. How many of you ever like uh, um, upcoming movie trailers? I love them. When when we go to the movies, if you ever go if you go to the movies, you know there's about thirty minutes that you're gonna have to sit there and watch all the upcoming movies. That's their advertisement, right? And uh, this past Monday, me and Brinley went to go see Uncharted. Uh, it's based off a video game. It's it's kind of like I, I gave. I said it's kind of like a modern day Indiana Jones. Is what's that's what kind of reminded. They're going on a treasure hunt, and but anyway, so you know, as we're sitting there and and we get there, we get there a few minutes before it starts, and so you know they have all the little commercials, like you know they advertise Coke because that's their big, uh, that's their who their drink distributor is, and and uh, then they they AMC has their uh, Elite or whatever it is, their movie list or. A-lister, I think is what it's called, you know, and so they go through all their commercials. Then it gets to the movie trailers, and it usually, when it says it's time for the movie to start, no, it's time for the trailers to start, and they start the trailer at the time of the movie uh, start, and so we're sitting there, and we're watching this, and and we're watching the trailer, ooh, then we're like, ooh, that's going to be a good one, you know, we're talking about the movie trailers. That's the part that kind of gets you uh, in tune with what's to come, right? The main attraction. I mean, this is the trailer that's letting you know that this is what this is going to be like. This is something that's coming up. It's going to be coming, you know, in, you know, March of 2022, you know, or whatever. Or they'll do big, you know, June, coming this June, you know, or they'll do something to get you prepared for what is to come. That's the whole purpose of the movie trailer. That's the job of the movie trailer. It's so that you can know what the main attraction is going to be like. And, you know, uh, so I enjoy, I enjoy movie trailers. I, I enjoy kind of knowing what's coming up. And so if you have this in mind, with this in mind, think of, the, think of it this way. We are the church, okay? And if we do our job well, People will look at us and they're going to say, I want to see the world they come from. You and I, as believers, we're like those movie trailers. We're giving people a glimpse of what is to come. What is to come, you say? God's kingdom is coming. Someday soon, we don't know. You remember how we sing that song? Soon and very soon, 
We are going to see the king. You remember that song? You know? And, uh, and so because that is true, someday soon we're going to see God's kingdom established. And right now, you and I as believers, we are the trailer. We are letting people know that this is what. But we have to live our life right. How do we live our life right? By giving an example of who Christ is and who Christ was when he walked this earth. We are shining our light to those around us. As believers, we have a job to do. That job is to point people to Jesus. Amen? We are to alert others to God's reign and rule. God's rule, the kingdom of heaven, the coming new creation is the main feature. It's like the massive blockbuster movie, the greatest show of all time. Our lives should be like trailers giving people a taste of the full thing. Amen? Theologian Leslie uh, Newbigin, I love that last name, put it this way. The church exists for the sake of those who are not members as sign, instrument, and foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. Do me a favor. If you've got your Bibles, go with me this morning to the book of Matthew, and I'm going to read four verses from chapter 5 beginning at verse 13. I would say probably most of you here today have heard this passage at one point or another. If you haven't heard it, you may have heard something similar to it. But I want to, be, I want to read from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. And uh, chapter 5 is, is what's known as Jesus is preaching a sermon known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's his most famous sermon, and there's a lot of good information in this two or three chapters that uh, Matthew writes in Matthew, starting at Matthew chapter 5, going through Matthew chapter 7. But there's a lot of good information there that Jesus is telling us. But here is where I want to focus. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if, you, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it may be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, in our text today, Jesus uses two metaphors to describe believers that he is sending out to the world to preach the gospel. He uses both salt and he uses light. Let's look at these two for just a moment. Salt is one of the most common substances on the earth, and it cannot be destroyed by fire or by time. Ancient societies used it as a valuable social and economic commodity. Salt salt has also served as a significant figurative symbol. Uh, Sharing salt was a symbol of friendship and hospitality. Ancient conflicts concluded with a meal consisting of bread and salt as a symbol of friendship. If someone violated the eating of salt, they were considered a traitor. Salt was also viewed as a divine gift. So you can see that salt was very valuable. And I believe that's one of the reasons 
why Jesus used salt as an example, as a metaphor, because he saw the value in salt and he related it to us that we are like salt. Also, he uses light. Light is an agent which shines and makes visibility possible. Light is the brightness which enables human beings to see. Jesus is described as light in the New Testament on several occasions. Light is also used as a metaphor for order and truth. And as you can see, both of these are significant things during Jesus' time. Both salt and light were important to everyone. The people understood the usefulness of both salt and light. And just as salt seasons and flavors food, Christians should enhance and favorably influence the people and the society around them. And just as salt is a preservative, Christians and the church should resist moral corruption and decay. Salt has healing properties as well. Just as Christ followers must help bring healing to people who are hurting physically, emotionally, and spiritually, salt also creates thirst just as Christians, through their good example, should create spiritual thirst and desire in others to know more about God. You know, during Jesus' time, people used small clay lamps that would burn olive oil drawn up by a wick. As Christians, we should be like these simple lamps, providing light in a spiritually dark conditions of this present world. Our lives should stand out from other people in society in a positive and spiritually enlightening way. Genuine faith in Christ cannot be hidden, amen, but will be evident to those around us, many of whom are looking for direction and hope in their lives. Can I just say for a moment, let me just take a moment, people are looking for hope, amen? People are looking for peace. They're looking for joy. They're looking for these things. And so we as believers have to shine the light of Jesus into this dark world so that they can see those things living inside of us. If we're walking around as the most depressed people, then why in the world would they want to be like us? Amen? You say, yeah, but I'm having a bad day. Just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean you have to live like it. Amen? The last time I checked, the Bible says that today is the day the Lord has made. It didn't say that yesterday was the only day that God has made. It said today is the day the Lord has made. And it doesn't matter if you've had a bad day or not. Guess what? God still made that day. So guess what you're going to do? You're going to get up and you're going to say, Lord, today is your day. And I declare this day today your day. And I'm going to walk no matter how bad or how hard or how awful it seems, I'm still going to walk in the victory that you have given me. Amen? We as believers have to walk like believers. Amen? We, let me tell you something. If the world is looking for a change, if the world is looking for something good, then we've got to be that change. We've got to be that something good. They've got to see it in us. You say, you mean I walk around and be fake? No. I never said you had to be fake. I just said you have to walk around and say, you know what, even though I'm having a rough day, I know that it's going to get better because my God is walking with me, amen? He's walking with me every step of the way. He never left my side, and every day I would much rather walk it with him than to, not, than to walk it without him, amen? 
And just like salt losing its saltiness and no longer being effective, if we do not know God's word, then we cannot be effective. Amen? And just like if light goes out, it is no longer effective. If our light goes out, we cannot be effective for God's kingdom. As believers, we are the trailer to the main attraction. God coming and establishing his kingdom is the main attraction. You and I are to point people to him. We are to be the salt and the light to this world. You know, Jesus gives us a job description in Matthew chapter 10. You ever gone for a job? What's the first thing you do? You look to see what that job entails before you go apply for it, right? Some people are like, no, I'm just desperate. I just want a job. I don't care what it, what it entails. Let me tell you something. If you just apply for a job and you don't know what it entails, you might get a big shock, right? When you start working, you go, you know, this is not what I signed up for. Well, yeah, it is. That's why they have a job description, right? They have a job description. So you're applying for that particular job. And if it has, if it says that you may have to clean toilets and you get there and you discover that you're going to have to clean toilets, guess what? They told you that beforehand. You know, God gave us, or Jesus gave us a job description. It's found in Matthew chapter 10. Look at it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7 and 8. And he says this, as you go, proclaim this message, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Look what he says in verse 8. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, Freely you have received, freely give. You see, the full context surrounding this passage, it makes it clear that the preaching of the kingdom is to be accompanied by evidence of God's might and power against the forces of Satan. Amen? It is Christ's desire that the kingdom of heaven and its power be brought near to people so that they can receive the salvation, help, and healing they need from God. When we do not see the evidence of God working among his people, it's time to examine our lives. Then we can remove, we can release anything that's unpleasing to God. Do you remember the three words that I told you that Leslie Newbigin used? He used them to describe what the church was to be to those that were not yet members of God's kingdom. Let's look at those again. The first one is sign. The church is a sign pointing people to a reality that is right around the corner, the kingship of Jesus and his imminent return. It's not going to be long, folks. I think we're closer today than we were yesterday. And I know that's an old cliche, right? But I still believe it. I believe that every day we're getting closer to his coming. And how many of you, when you're driving down the road, you see a sign that says there's a curve coming? Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's, there's an old movie that was, it's a stupid movie, but it was, there's a funny scene in it, and it's, uh, y'all remember Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Anybody remember that? That was an old, old movie when I was a kid. All the kids were watching it. It was a stupid movie, but all the kids were watching it, and there's this scene where he's, where he's driving down the road in the truck with Large Marge. Y'all remember that? And he's driving down the, on the road, and it shows a, a sign, and it shows the, the roads, you know, the little turn. He's like, okay. And she takes it, and then it shows the next sign, and it's got a few more squigglies, and they take it. And then it shows the line, and it's like, you know, and it's all this. And, of course, he's just frightened and all and everything and, and all. And, but anyway, it reminds me of that. If you see a sign with curves on it, 
you're going to be thankful, right? Because you can slow down, you can prepare to take that curve right so that you don't go flying off that curve. If they didn't have a sign or if the sign was wrong and you ended up, you know, having an accident, it's no good, right? So we take those signs. We need those signs. And if, you know, and and as Christians, we are to be a sign to unbelievers, letting them know that God is coming to establish his kingdom on earth. We are to point people to Jesus, amen? We're to live our life as an example for them to follow. And when we are asked why we live the way that we do, we are to tell them it is because of Jesus, amen? Second word is foretaste. You know, like the movie trailer, the church is where people can get a taste of the future in the present. When the church is a foretaste, we demonstrate what life is like when men and women live under the rule and reign in the power of the Holy Spirit. In here, you should get a taste of what heaven will be like, amen? And I want our church to have people of all nationalities because that is what heaven will be like. You hear what I'm saying? In here, I want people to love one another. I want a place for even our enemies to feel welcome because that is what heaven will be like. In here, I want a place where people can go and find healing because that is what heaven will be like. In here, I want a place where people can find peace and rest and joy and comfort because that is what heaven will be like. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? That is what heaven will be like. We as believers are to give people a foretaste of what is to come. We are the movie trailer. The main attraction is coming. It's not far. It's not long. It's just a little while longer. And so we are giving people a foretaste of what it's going to look like, what heaven will be like. The third word was instrument. You see, the church is not just a sign. It's not just a foretaste, but it's also an instrument. Like a tool in the hands of God, we're used to help shape God's preferred future for this planet. How hard is it to plow the garden if you don't have the right instrument to use to plow it? It's pretty hard, isn't it? Depending on how big your garden is. You know, if you have a small little um, above ground garden little you know the little uh, pots or whatever that you can put above ground set on a table you only need the little hand tools right because you don't need a big can you imagine trying to take a hoe and dig that <laughs> that'd be kind of entertaining wouldn't it but you don't need that it'd go everywhere dirt wouldn't you know dirt wouldn't stay in the pot you just need those little hand tools and just kind of you know cultivate everything you can go there and pick a few little weeds out but if you have a giant garden let's say you had my grandpa man he had a garden okay and it was, it was, you know how, so you can look at this church, how long it is. His garden was bigger than that. It was probably about, if you take this church and put it together and then put it together again, that's probably how long his garden was. And it was probably as wide from the front of the stage to the sound booth, wide. And it was that long. And he had, you know, just a, a big strip, and that was his garden. You know, how, you know how he worked that garden? He didn't go out there with just a little hole. <laughs> He'd be out there all day long. He'd go hook up the mule to a plow, 
And he'd get out there and he'd run that mule down the garden and he'd turn around and run him back the other direction. He'd do that. And then he'd get the tractor out, you know, and he'd, he'd till that thing up and he'd, then he'd get this out. He'd, he, was, he used everything that he could and, and that garden had rocks. And then you know what he'd do? He'd get us grandkids out there. And that was no fun. And we'd be out there, hey, I need y'all to help me get these big rocks out. What? There's a lot of rocks. He said, I just want the big ones. So we'd be out there trying to get these rocks out of the garden so that he could have his vegetables. He goes, you like to eat, don't you? You ever, you ever get that when they want you to work and they say, well, you like to eat, don't you? You know? And it's like, yeah, okay, then I need your help. You know, if you want to see corn this year, you want to see purple peas or any of that, I need your help. So we'd get out there and we'd do some things when we'd come in. But if you don't have the right instruments, if you don't have the right tools, you can't do the right job, right? Same thing. How hard is it to sew a button on if you don't have the right instrument to sew it on? I know that you need at least a needle and thread, but if you don't have a needle and thread, it's kind of hard to put that button on, isn't it? You can't just go, button, stay on. It won't stay there, will it? I mean, that's some pretty good faith. If you speak and that button stayed on without having to sew it, that's, come pray for me, please. But it just don't work that way. You need the right instruments. How bad would a trumpet, trumpet player sound if, if we tried to play the trump, if he tried to play the trumpet part in a snare drum, with a snare drum? That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Can you imagine trying to take a snare drum and play in the melody? Because that's what the trumpet plays. He plays the melody. If you listen to the, an orchestra, it's, a lot of times it's the, it's the upper uh, instruments, the, the higher sounding instruments like, you know, clarinet and flutes and trumpets and, uh, and French horns. Those are the instruments that are playing the melody, you know. And if, if, if you take a snare drum and try to play the melody, it would just sound like a bunch of banging. That's all it would be. You know, it sounds the same, you know. How bad, how hard is it to build something without the right instruments? You understand what I'm saying, right? We all understand this. It's almost impossible to do the things that we need to do if we don't have the right instruments. Now, a question is, does God have to have us? No, he's God, right? He can do whatever he wants and it will be perfect. But God prefers to use us and he has sent us to go and do the work that he has called us to do. You see, God created this thing called free will. He gives us the free will to choose what we want to do. If God wanted to, he could just make everything perfect and make everything go. But then you wouldn't have free will. Because he'd tell you what you had to do, and it'd be more like a dictatorship. But God loves us, and he cares for us so much that he said, I want to give my people free will. I want them to be able to do and live the way they want to do, but these are the best perimeters for them to live in order for them to have a blessed and a wonderful and a beautiful life. And that's why he gave us his word, so that we could live according to that word. Because when we live according to the word, guess what? Life will be better. Life will be better. That's why we live. And so he has sent us to tell others that in order for, uh, for, for them to have a good and, and, and wonderful life, then this is the parameters that they live in. We Christians are the sent ones, and we have been sent into our worlds, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, our communities to alert others to the reign of God. And it's our role as instruments 
in God's hands to bring taste of wholeness, justice, beauty, reconciliation, and to let others know these will fully flower in the return of Christ. You know, over the last few weeks, we've looked at practical ways that you, you and I can surprise our world by living a surprising life that will lead unbelievers to ask the questions that all of us want to ask us. Why? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you serve in your community? Why do you attend church every Sunday? Why do you give a portion of your income to missions? Why do you give up personal time to read a book and base your belief system on a man? The answer is easy. It's because of Jesus. Amen? It's because of Jesus is what I want to tell them. He died for me because he loved me, and he has sent me to let you know that you that he did the same for you. Amen? That's who my Jesus is. That song said, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. I want you to know who my Jesus is. He loved me enough to come to this earth to down a cross. He gave up his life so that I could have eternal life. He was a sacrifice for me. Everything that he did, he did it for me. And that's why I've been sent to tell others that just as Jesus did it for me, just as Jesus saved me, just as he loved me and he cared for me and he died for me and he rose from the dead for me, I, he has sent me to tell you that, he has, that he's done the same for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. He wants you to have a life that's more abundantly, a life that you've never even thought that you could possibly have for yourself. But he says, I have come to give you life. That's what we have been sent to do. Jesus loves us. He cares for us. It's time for us to go surprise the world. Amen? It's time for us as believers to go surprise the world, to go tell the world about who Jesus is, about how he loves them and he cares for them. And there's different ways. I talked about different ways of how we can do that. By just being a blessing, words of affirmation, maybe little gifts, maybe just a little text message or a note that you can send to people. That's the easiest thing that you can do. Maybe it's inviting someone to go eat dinner with you. Maybe it's inviting them over to your house. You know, just like what Jesus do with Zacchaeus. He's walking along the road. Zacchaeus had heard the stories of Jesus. He goes and he gets up in a tree. He gets to Zacchaeus and he looks up at him. And I, I'm sure Zacchaeus was shocked as anybody. Here Jesus was. Didn't, he didn't know Jesus. He just heard stories about him. And Jesus is there and he looks up at Zacchaeus and says, Hey, Jesus knows everything about Zacchaeus, though, right? He knows his life. He knows he's a tax collector. He knows he's a hated person. He knows that nobody wants to be around. Nobody wants to be his friend. Nobody likes him. Why? Because he stole from them. He was a terrible person. He wasn't a good person. But Jesus looks up at Zacchaeus and says, Hey, buddy, I'm going to your house today. Why don't you come down from there? Let's go eat. And what does he do? They go to his house, and then all of a sudden Zacchaeus says, Man, just this one meeting with you, God, this one meeting with you, Lord, Savior, Jesus, has changed my life forever. I'm going to go and give everything back. I'm going to give everything back that I've stolen. I'm changing my life from this day forward. That's what happened in Zacchaeus' life. You see, Jesus, 
He loves us. He cares for us. And so we're to take that story and to go and to share with others. Amen? We're to share the story of who Jesus is, that he loves us. Let's pray. God, we just thank you right now. We thank you for your power and your strength, for the love that you've shown us. And God, I just praise you right now. You're my King Jesus, and I love you and I honor you. I give you glory. Can everybody, can we all stand this morning? Let's just worship him right now. Just talk to Jesus. Looking around this room, I I believe if not all of us, most of us are believers. I, I look, I think all of you are believers. Can we just worship him this morning? I just want, if you're at home, I want you to worship him this morning. Just tell him, say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for washing me clean. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for giving me a hope. I thank you for giving me a joy. I thank you for giving me a peace. I thank you for giving me the the encouragement that I need to go and be who you've called me to be. I am who you say I am. You love me. You care for me. You spoke into my life. And I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Everything that I have, everything that I'm not is yours. I give it all to you and I lay it at your feet. I want to be who you want me to be. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. We honor you today. We honor you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated. I just want to, uh, before we take up our um, offering this morning, I just want to remind you just a few things, and we're going to pray over this offering. Youth is tonight. Uh, if If you have any kids age 8 all the way to high school, we have two camps available. Um... We are going to do a fundraiser April 1st and 2nd to help with this. Uh, I need to know by next Sunday if your kids are going so that we can make the proper plans. Also, next Sunday is Bring a Friend Sunday. I, I, I think if you've got a friend, if you've got a, uh, a, a neighbor, a family member, somebody, you know, preferably if they don't go to church somewhere, <laughs> If you can get them to come here for one week, that's fine too. We're going to have all kinds of fun. We're going to have refreshments at the end of service. We're going to have a photo booth. Uh, It's just going to be a great time. We do this every year. I want to try to give you as many opportunities as possible to to have ways of inviting uh, uh, your friends and your family members, your neighbors to church. Now, some of you are saying, well, shouldn't we always invite them to church? Yes, you should. But I also like having special days set aside for you to feel like you have something special, not just a normal service to bring them to. Is normal services special? Yes. God's moved in this place, right? I believe God's done some amazing things here today. I'm I'm not discrediting a regular service, a normal service, but we like to have special things, you know. Do you like to have special things? I like special things. Because it gives us an opportunity to get to know the people that you bring. 
a normal Sunday, we, you know, we're just moving through the service and we move on and, and on. But on a special day, we set aside a time that we can hang out, spend some time after service. We make plan. We, you know, God was all about planning, right? He created everything in seven days. Don't you think God had a plan? He says exactly what he did, you know. He said, I'm going to start with, you know, I'm going to put some light and some darkness. You know, we'll, we'll separate the two. You know, he, he went on. He created the different, you know, living things. And then he went to us. He created us, you know. He had a plan. You can go and read Genesis chapter 1. You can see his plan. His plan's in full view. And I believe that we need to plan as believers. And so that's why we plan special days so that you can have something to invite your friends and uh, family, loved ones, and if they, if they ask you, well, what do you have? I say, well, we're doing bring a friend Sunday, and I want to bring you. You're my friend. And if you want to call it bring a family member, you can call it that. I don't care. Maybe your family member's not your friends. I don't know. <laughs> if you want to call it bring your enemy Sunday, I don't, you can do that too and bring your enemies. We'd, we'll have them too. We'll love on them. But we just want this to be a place that you'd invite somebody so that we can show them uh, Show them the love. Amen? Amen. So that's next Sunday. Be here. Um, it's going to be a great week. Uh, as we are taking up our offering, I want to remind you that we are still um, trying to paint the van. Uh, we have had some money come in. Thank you so much for what has come in. Uh, please continue to give. Just mark an envelope, van. You can go online. There's a place that you can designate it for van on there. And uh, all the money that comes in, we're going to use that to, um, uh, pay, to paint the van. It, it needs a desperate paint job, y'all. Uh, you can go out there and see rust running down the front of the... When I, the, the, the ice came, I was looking at it the other day, and I saw a rust line from the top running down the windshield. I was like, man, we got to get that van painted. Uh, so this snow, this snow and ice has not been good for that van, I promise you, because that water just sits on top of the, of the van. Uh, but we got to get it painted. So if you can help us at all, we'd appreciate it. We've, we need about, we're down, we've got about 3,100 left. So we need 31 people that would be willing to give $100. Uh, we'd, we'd appreciate it. Um, can we pray over this offering? God, I just come to you right now. And I pray that you bless each and every person that's here, each and every person that gives. God, I pray that you would just move in this place in a mighty way, God. God, that as you have blessed this church in so many ways, God, I pray that you'll just continue to bless, continue to pour out, continue to do things. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory. And as you continue to give to us, God, we're going to continue to give back because that's what we do, God. We want, to, we want to bless you. We want to bless your work, your, your ministry, God. And we just pray that you would go with us. And be with us today, God. I pray that you bless all these people. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. The ushers are located at the back of the sanctuary. You can drop your uh, tithes and offerings back there. Don't forget, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we will have service. We look forward to seeing you. Y'all have a wonderful week. See you Wednesday.